It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Angels, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, your 2018 Angels. What is up, everybody? How's it going? My name is Patrick Zajac, your host of Locked On Angels, minor league play-by-play broadcaster and first row rider of the emotional sports roller coaster that is Angels Baseball. Welcome to your Daily Angels Update here. Friday, May 25th, getting you guys ready for the weekend here on LockedOnSports.com, FanRagSports, LockedOnAngels.com. You know where you can find us. And Friday is your mailbag episode, so that's what we're going to get into today. A quick recap of the Angels' victory and series victory up in Toronto, which I got to admit, for the first 17 innings of the series, I didn't think was possible, but... Wouldn't you know it, the Halos come back in Game 2 to steal a 5-4 to victory and then absolutely bludgeon the Blue Jays in the matinee affair on Facebook, mind you, Facebook Live, um, in Game number 3, an 8-1 to victory there. Mike Trout goes yard, Albert Pujols goes yard. So we're going to talk about that and then get to your mailbag questions because uh, not that I can confirm it, but I'm pretty sure we had a record number of mailbag questions for a mailbag episode this week. So I do want to make sure I get to each and every one of your questions uh, so far because I, I'd hate to leave any of you guys hanging. So want to get right down to those. But uh, more or less, first recap. I don't want to get uh, too crazy into it, like I said, because I also want to preview at least very quickly the upcoming Yankees series in the Bronx over the weekend. Big series for the Halos in getting some revenge on the Yankees from what they did at Angel Stadium earlier this season. But for the most part, I mean, what's not to like? Eight runs, 12 hits for the Halos. They jumped on them right from the get-go with a Martin Maldonado two-run single. Mike Trout hits a home run. Albert Pujols also hits a homer and has two RBIs on the day. That is what we've come to expect, or we want to expect at least, from this Halos offense. This offense is needs to be the straw that stirs the drink for this franchise moving forward. If they're going to have success, if they want to play meaningful September and October baseball baseball, and contend for a playoff spot and ultimately make the playoffs and make some noise, the offense is going to have has to be what sort of galvanizes this entire group and leads the way because while the starting rotation has been sensational as of late, the bullpen is a little bit shaky. The way that Billy Epler envisioned this franchise was for the offense to take the reins and run with it. And hopefully the ninth inning game two against the Blue Jays they did and innings one through nine in this most recent game they did as well. Hopefully they bring those sticks against the New York Yankees because they'll be facing Luis Severino in game number one with Andrew Heaney on the mound for the Halos right off the get-go on Friday night. So going to be a tough series. Hard to find a hotter team in baseball right now than the New York Yankees. So they got their work cut out for them. And I know a couple of you guys had the had a couple questions on the upcoming series. So like I said, I do want to make sure 
that I get to every single one of your questions in this Friday mailbag episode. But first, before I get to those questions, you guys want to sponsor the show? Know someone that does? Hit me up, LockedOnAngels at gmail.com. Orange County, Anaheim peeps, hit me up. Let's open up that conversation. Let's get you as a presenting sponsor on this show. How good would it sound to have your business following? Oh, hey, guys, welcome to Locked On Angels presented by Boom. That's where we're going to drop a line for you. So hit me up. Let's have that conversation. Talk about the rates because, like I said, they're reasonable. LockedOnAngels at gmail.com. All right. I know there was a lot of disappointment with uh, the whole game being on Facebook and whatnot. I think it's absurd, quite frankly. I'm a guy living up in Eugene, Oregon, right? So I pay for MLB TV so I can make sure I catch my halos each and every single day. But I think it's ridiculous that you pay for this service, right, to have it readily available. I get to listen to Victor and, and Gooby every single game. And this one I got to watch on my laptop or my phone on Facebook and, quite frankly, deal with all these comments on the sidebar going on. I mean, yes, I know that you can mute all those things, but I I left Facebook Live f- less than impressed with the whole entire production, man. It's a work in progress. I get it. Facebook probably paid a ton of money to Major League Baseball to make it happen. I get it. I work in minor league baseball. I know that money talks and you'll go uh, above and beyond for a sponsor, especially someone that gives you money to, to televise their product. But it's a rough watch, MLB, let me tell you. Um, nonetheless, it was a 9.30 start, so I, it was kind of awesome watching uh, Halo Baseball, quite frankly, while sipping on my morning coffee at work. Uh, that was that was kind of cool. But let's get to your mailbag questions. It is a Friday mailbag, so that's what I want to heavily feature in this one. Not a question here, and I believe Chad had a few other comments um, on Twitter that I want to get to, but at Memphis CDS, if we have to give a good prospect, how about Mike Moustakis and Kelvin Herrera move Cozart to second base? And this was in response to a tweet I put out because John Heyman, uh, a co-contributor on FanRag Sports, I can proudly say that, John Heyman mentioned that the Royals are starting to open up things, open up trade discussions, even uh, before we get into June. So a name that's been thrown around a lot is Kelvin Herrera, and deservedly so. He's going to get a lot of action. What is one thing that we pretty much every single contender can use more of? That's bullpen arms. So I'm not getting too over over anxious or over ahead of myself in the pursuit of Kelvin Herrera. I think he would be a fantastic addition to this halo bullpen. Really any bullpen arm with a pulse at this point could help out the halo bullpen, but help that back end, especially get some high stress outs, but it's going to cost quite a bit. It's going to cost at least a high level prospect because there's going to be a ton of suitors for Kelvin Herrera or any decent bullpen arm. That's what we have to understand moving forward. And I'm sure Billy Epler has already started doing his homework on guys that would be potential fits in this bullpen. So we'll see what happens there. Kelvin Herrera would be a dream right now. I would have him as the number one bullpen arm on the market, given that it's his history and the high velocity arm that he has. But the price is going to be steep. We all need to prepare ourselves just for that and as I mentioned Chad had a couple of questions right from the get-go another one at Memphis CDS Chad asks us or mainly thoughts Angels GM Billy Epler has been a supporter of Chase Headley uh, who is currently free following his release from the Padres 
Uh, just something to keep in mind. Ian Kinsler has struggled, and Zach Cozart could move to second. Uh, interesting notes that he mentions from John Heyman. Now, so I get it. All right. Chase Headley available, currently 34 years of age. What does he have left in the tank? You know, it, it's hard to base any value from his 2018 pr production. It was less than stellar. In limited action with the Padres, he played 27 games this season, 52 at-bats, a 115 average. And last season, coming off a decent year with the Yankees, uh, over 500 at-bats, hit 273, 12 home runs, 61 RBIs. I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him, but at the same time, we have to keep in mind, let's think back to last season, right? Because this move would be in response to the struggles of Ian Kinsler, right? Currently still batting below the Mendoza line, hasn't put it together at the plate. Let's think back to last season, the Angels' second baseman, who was it? That was Danny Espinosa. Danny Espinosa, despite hitting 160-170 pretty much the entire first half of the season, he got 250 plate appearances, and we're not quite there yet with the Halo regulars just quite yet. For instance, uh, Ian Kinzer so far on the season, trying to pull up his stats here, he has had 142 at-bats, so... I think you can count on him getting another 100 at-bats. Same thing with Cole Calhoun. Now, I think this was a question posed that I'll get to in just a little bit that he needs to be moved from the leadoff spot. I think we can all agree with that. Move him lower down the order where he's not getting as many opportunities. First, he's got to prove his worth to hit leadoff. But at the same time, ugh, it's tough because Chase Headley's getting up there in age. The production wasn't there this year. Granted, for a middling Padres team, Maybe he can put it together. He is a switch hitter, so he does provide you some support potentially from the left-handed side. But for now, at least for the next couple of weeks, the guys that are struggling in the halo order are still going to get opportunities. It took 250 plate appearances for the halos to move on from Danny Espinosa. Considering the money they have locked in for Ian Kinsler this season and the investment that they have in a guy like Cole Calhoun, Billy Epler is going to see this through, and whether or not you agree with it, I'm. I, it's hard, right? I, I don't know exactly where I stand on it because these guys are proven veterans. They have delivered before at the big league level. Yes, they are off to absolutely frustrating starts so far this season, but you got to give these guys an opportunity to turn things around because the Halo team, as best constructed, has Ian Kinsler in the leadoff spot? Has Cole Calhoun playing a prominent role in the lineup each and every day? And they're not producing right now. Yes, it's easy to quickly move on to the next best thing, but they're going to get their at-bats. They're still going to get about 100 or so more plate appearances to prove their worth. Afterwards, when we get into mid to late June, yes, that is when you start seriously looking at your roster and where you can improve. Because at that point, we're almost halfway through the season. You sort of know exactly what you have. And a slump at that point that's lasted an entire half of the season, that has just become the norm at that point. So interesting to bring up, but I don't see the Angels making a move for Chase Headley, uh, not because of the struggles of Ian Kinsler right now uh at wireless chaos asks us how about some clarification on conflicting umpire calls specifically the play on wednesday night and i know this is in reference to that fly ball uh hit off the bat was it 
Cole Calhoun, I believe, right? Hits the liner to Curtis Granderson with runners on first and second. Zach Cozart was the odd man out on second. It looked as if Granderson caught the ball, then dropped it. Zach Cozart was kind of in between second and third, ultimately gets tagged out at third. But it looked as if on review that the third base umpire was making an out call. Now, I had to look this up because I didn't know the rule myself, but it looks as if a ruling that or that has conflicting decisions from umpires it's rule obr 8.03 c yeah i went real in depth for you guys if different decisions should be made on one play by different umpires the umpire in chief the crew chief right shall call all the umpires into consultation no manager or player present after consultation the umpire in chief shall determine which decision shall prevail based on which umpire was in best position and which decision was most likely correct play shall proceed as if only the final decision had been made. And in terms of which decision was most likely correct, we all know that Curtis Granderson dropped the ball, so Zach Cozart then had to move on to third. It's a bang-bang play, it's a tough call, and it sucks. I know that Mike Sosha felt slighted, but ultimately, that was the right call to make there, in that based on how the rule is played, how that situation played out, it was unfortunate for the Halos that Zach Cozart kind of got caught in between it, and it didn't look as if that he was looking at the third base umpire at the time, who was clearly making an out call, it seemed, on the fly ball to Granderson, so it's just one of those things that over the course of 162 games it just simply happens man Um, I wouldn't read too much into it but I did look up the rule for you to clarify things so it goes to the crew chief after a discussion between the umpires ultimately the right decision was made in that situation yes unfortunate for the halos given that Zach Cozart was the odd man out but man it is what it is uh, Ricky Bobby at Ricky Bo 606-12738 Ricky you gotta get yourself a, a smaller handle there but He asks us on today's episode, and I think he's referencing uh, Thursday's episode, I 100% agreed with you when you said Kinsler and Calhoun should be our 8 and 9 batters given their struggles. What do you think that isn't happening and why? Why do you think that isn't happening and why is Simba hitting so low? Sometimes in the 7 spot, he should be in the 2 spot. Also love the show, love your take. Well, thanks, Ricky, for the kind words to finish things up, but I went ahead and looked at the previous lineups that the Halos has used pretty much the entire season, and Andrelton Simmons has not hit in the seven spot since April 22nd, so pretty much for over a month now. He's been in the top six in the order. The last couple times, six with Otani hitting fifth, Pujols in the cleanup spot. There was a good stretch in uh, early to mid-May as well where he was playing a ton of games hitting in the fifth spot. He even got an opportunity in the cleanup order. You know... I'm with you in that Simmons would be a number two hitter as it stands right now, given this, the struggles of Ian Kinsler in the leadoff role. I think he absolutely has to hit lower in the order. Mike Sosha has already done that with Cole Calhoun. Maybe he's hoping that putting Kinsler now back in the leadoff spot after having him hit seventh and eighth uh, for about, I don't even want to say a week. It was at least a couple of games, but maybe that rejuvenates him. I haven't seen that from Ian Kinsler, considering he went 0 for on Wednesday, and then again he was just 1 for 5, at least had the run scored in Thursday's affair. So I don't know, man. If it were me, I'm hitting Mike Trout leadoff. I'm maybe considering Shohei Otani in the 2 spot, 
because I like the production that Andrelton Simmons has had this season with runners in scoring position. So I like keeping Upton third, Pujols fourth, and Andrelton Simmons fifth. If you're talking about my preferred top five with probably Zach Cozart or Luis Valbuena, the next to slot in there. But right now you got to put your guys that are going to get the most at-bats in a game at who are the most productive at the top of the order. And those are the five guys I just mentioned. Um, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, and Andrelton Simmons. I don't really have an answer for you as to why Ian Kinsler is still hitting leadoff. Maybe it's because he has that veteran pedigree and you're hoping that he rounds out into form. But right now, let him figure it out in the seventh, eighth spot in the order because he is harming your team offensively. Yes, the Halos still put up eight runs in the matinee game in Toronto, but man, how long can you live with your leadoff guy hitting below 200? I don't think for very much longer. That is for sure. Um, at wireless chaos, Mike also asks us um, another question. Some clarification on the designated hitter. Is it possible to use Otani as DH and let him close? Um, one, I don't see that happening at all as him as the closer because he's too valuable as a starting pitcher, giving you seven magnificent innings at a time it seems right now and two let's say that situation does arise game goes in the you you lose the designated hitter in that instance yes Otani can still hit but when you bring in that pitcher he now takes his spot in the order and Shohei Otani would be effectively out of the game I don't think we see that anytime soon or if at all this season uh quite frankly uh, Theo Marine at T Marine 89 asks us, what are your thoughts on an Upton trout and Harper outfield? I mean, hell that's the best outfield in baseball, but do you really see the angels shelling out that type of money for Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper more than likely going to command a 300, $400 million contract when Mike Trout's pending free agency is coming up after the 2020 season i don't see it but hey dare to dream do it in your mlb the show franchise man let me know how it goes i can guarantee you that team would absolutely rake uh moving on i want to make sure like i said i get to every single one of your questions uh chad smithers had another comment as well at memphis cds with otani at leadoff breaks up all the right-handed hitters and has speed gets on base gives trout a guy on base. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but you uh, you mentioned it breaks up your right-handed hitters, not if there's a ton of right-handed hitters hitting behind him. You know what I'm saying? Um, and in terms of on-base percentage, man, Mike Trout is walking at a league-high rate right now with an on-base percentage of 443. Andrelton Simmons also has a higher on-base percentage than Shohei Otani. And I think we're starting to see now with that at-bat that Shohei Otani had in the ninth inning, that he's starting to come up in clutch situations that maybe it's best that he hits behind Mike Trout. I like the ability of Mike Trout to go and get you a stolen base as well when he gets on early in the inning because he is perfect right now on stolen base attempts. Um, so that's just my perfect situation. But at this point in the year with the struggles of the offense um, before yesterday's game and before the ninth inning, of Wednesday's game. I'm all for experimentation right now. Now's the time to do it. We're only 50 games into the season, still a ton to go. Why not with the struggles of Ian Kinsler and Cole Calhoun continue to flip the lineup, see what works and where Mike Sosha likes the construction 
the best. If that means show, trying Shohei Otani in the leadoff spot, why not? I'm all for it, man. Just know that that consistently can't happen because he is on the mound every so often, of course. Uh, Mike M. at Wireless Chaos also asks us, ahead of the Yankees series, what is the Yankees' record at home this year? Well, I quickly looked up the standings for you. The Yankees are 18-7 and at home at Yankee Stadium. The Angels 16-5 and now on the road, so... Uh, it's a battle of the best home record in the American League versus the best road record. And Martin Maldonado talked about it a little bit in his post-game interview on the field following the 8-1 victory against the Blue Jays. The team camaraderie is just more emphasized on the road because you're staying in a hotel together. Guys are getting meals after the game together rather than going back to the families. And I'm not sliding going back to your family by any means necessary, but... That's what it is. I, I remember, not to use a terrible example, but back in high school team I played on, my junior and senior year, we were undefeated on the road as compared to losing a couple of games at home because you have those bus rides, right? You have the traveling. You're spending so much time together that it just naturally builds that chemistry w with one another that when you're in an opposing ballpark, it is truly us against the world. You get that feeling when you go into an opposing ballpark and it galvanizes the entire team and maybe that is the secret to success for the current halo squad because on the antithesis they're 12 and 17 at home which is one of the worst home records in the american league that needs to turn around uh quite frankly if things are going to turn around uh crude meister general at crude meister asks us how is the prospect the angels traded for kinsler doing more interested now because kinsler has been brutal hey man i hear you well ian kinsler was traded for a uh, pitcher wilkel hernandez and um i think it's outfielder troy montgomery uh yeah center fielder troy montgomery so troy montgomery 23 year old center fielder he's playing with double a lake erie uh, in the Detroit Tigers system, he was an eighth-round draft choice of the Angels back in 2016, currently hitting 224 with no home runs in 125 at-bats. So, yeah, not a guy that's going to factor onto a major league roster. And Will Kel Hernandez, a currently 19-year-old pitcher, has yet to make an appearance uh, at the minor league level in 2018. Last year in the Halos system, pitched 44 innings in total, uh, 41 of them in the Arizona League in the Angels system, three of them in Orem at the rookie league level with an ERA combined of three or 2.64 going along with 44 strikeouts, 22 walks in those 44 innings pitch. So book is still out on Wilker Hernandez. There's no possible way to really give you an accurate assessment of that trade as of right now. All right, two more questions that I got to get to to finish out our mailbag fry day. The next one here comes to us from at Trey Berg's Edward Hogan Bergner, who's also a fellow Oregon Ducks fan. Hey, go Ducks. Um, how long until you think the Angels remove Ian Kinsler from the leadoff spot and also subsequently is a David Fletcher call-up potentially on the horizon? Well, I think it's got to com come soon, quite frankly, when you're talking about Ian Kinsler moving from the leadoff spot. It just hasn't worked out right now. Even though the Halos win their most recent game with him hitting leadoff, he simply has not been productive in that spot. And I get it when he's hitting. That is the most ideal spot for him. But until that time comes, you got to switch it up, whether it's maybe on Drelton Simmons hitting leadoff, though, again, I like him in an RBI spot. 
Why not try Mike Trout or Shohei Otani in that leadoff spot? Or bring back Zach Kozart, who at least came off a three-hit ball game in game number two in Toronto before getting the day off for Luis Valbuena in the final game. Mix it up, but Ian Kinsler is not getting it done. As far as David Fletcher call-up potentially on the horizon, uh, it's got to be coming soon, considering David Fletcher so far this season has continued to rake ever since spring training. Um, I'm trying to pull up his stats here. I had it pulled up. It's still loading. There it goes. Um, he is hitting 344 on the year, though just 233 in his last 10 ball games. He had an average above 370 at one point, but getting on base at a 400% clip or a 40% clip as well. OPS just under a thousand. Why not give the 23 year old guy a look? But again, I mentioned how long of a leash that the Angels had with Danny Espinosa last season. They're going to give Ian Kinsler and Cole Calhoun. 200 to 250 at bats before they make a final decision on both of them and their playing time this season it's just with proven veterans that's just the way it is you don't want to give up on a guy that has proven to get it done at the major league level far too early but hell David Fletcher keeps producing Ian Kinsler keeps struggling I guarantee you you'll see David Fletcher get a start at second base sometime in the month of June so thanks Edward for the question and lastly Let's get to Cody's question at Cody Schmidt 25 asks us, do you think this series has the potential to get the angels back in the right direction after this rough stretch, a nice comeback win, and then a pretty good ass beating today, referencing the eight to one win, get the morale back up. Also, what do you think about the Otani not pitching Sunday thing? First, let me get to Otani. Yeah, he got pushed back from the Sunday start. I get that, but uh, Billy Epler had a great quote about Shohei Otani's workload. I mean, let's think about it. Just how tired a pitcher gets after throwing 100 to 110 pitches in a start. Essentially, he referenced, I think Billy Epler referenced, re- referenced, referenced that you are throwing 100 to 110 explosions on that arm in that start. And on top of that, the next day, this guy's taking batting practice. Um, and taking hacks in a big league game all throughout the week. Now is the time to be a little more cautious for Shohei Otani because if the Angels are in a playoff run come September, that's where you want to utilize Shohei Otani a bit more often than you'd like in order to win some ball games. And let's keep in mind again, the dude is just 23 years of age. Yes, we want to see him every single day if possible, but there's no playbook on this. I was talking about this with some of my coworkers the other day. There's no real, there's no real, like I said, playbook to follow when it comes to Shohei Otani for Billy Epler and his staff and Mike Sosha and everybody. You're kind of, I don't want to say flying by the seat of your pants, but you're sort of experimenting right now with what the 23-year-old can do. And the last thing you want is overexert the guy in May and June when you're a team with playoff aspirations and getting deep into October because that's when Otani needs to be peaking. Not right now. Yes, I know the team is struggling in the past couple of weeks, and we want to see Shohei Otani more in order to pick up some victories. But, man, he has been sensational watch so far. Let's get let's not get too carried away with where we're at in Shohei Otani's um, development because he still is developing as a 23-year-old. And lastly, in reference uh, to, your, to the schedule question here, the Angels' schedule after this series in the Bronx sets up 
favorably, if they're able to say, let's say, run into a series victory, take two out of three, your next 10 games, four in Detroit, followed by three against the Texas Rangers and three against the Kansas City Royals. Your next 10 games after this Yankees series are against bottom feeders in the American League where you can rack up seven to eight victories if the Angels are playing to potential. So if you can somehow manage a series victory in the Bronx, hell, after the sweep at the Big A, I'll take one out of three, quite frankly, and go on my merry way as long as the Halos get it done with those 10 games against Detroit, Texas, and Kansas City. That's where you get back on track offensively and go into June with some momentum, get into mid-June with some momentum, and hopefully then start to get a better look at your team moving forward ahead of the All-Star break, ahead of the trade deadline. Man, that was a loaded mailbag Friday. Um, Long episode for you guys to get you ready for the weekend. I hope you guys enjoy it. You guys have been awesome uh, giving me your questions, making this as interactive as possible. That's why I do this show, because you guys are awesome tuning in each and every single day. But for now... That's going to do it, guys. As always, uh, be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Angels. That's where you can get a ton of updates regarding the show. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all that good stuff. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, guys. I'll be back on Monday for your day off. Don't worry. I got the day off, too. So we'll come at you then with a recap of the weekend series in the Bronx. Big series coming up. I'm excited to watch all three games tonight. Keeney versus Luis Severino. Can't wait, as Bart Scott would say. Have a great weekend, guys. Take it easy. I got to get out of here. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.